Hi, this is Bob Pop, a voice of the New York football giants, and this is the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast in association with Andy's Mad Man Club. Lads, it's okay to talk. As you can see on the screen, this episode we are 50% British and 50% Irish, uh, but as always, 100% Giants. Bit of a bonus episode, this one, um, as it's the kind of second episode in the, in a off-season that we don't tend to do two episodes in a week, so it's... Uh, a strange one for us both, uh, but it's also probably been one of our most intensive podcasts to plan for in the terms of research. So, Kev, how you doing, and how much are you looking forward to to this one? Yeah, I've been mean, uh, doing really well. Like you know, I suppose I thought in the off season that things were supposed to quiet down, and I suppose you know there's no football, <laughs> so you know how can we put out two podcasts in a week? But um, I'm actually yeah, chuffed to be on again. Being um, on a Friday night here. Um, doing this this pod i've been looking forward to this one because it's something we haven't done before uh, in our time um, and i just think it's a really interesting exercise to do to basically see you know as the as the as the uh tag says on the other side there look can we fix the giants yeah absolutely it's um it's been an eye-opening week and week and a half but we'll uh we'll get into that a little bit later we've got uh joe shane's presser to kind of have a look at first so before we begin if you're watching this live on youtube or on facebook please do join in with the conversation in the comments you can now also join in on x in the comments and we will see them too subscribe if you haven't already on youtube and give this video a thumbs up it really helps us get visibility out there now before we talk about what we've been cooking up in uh our little chef outfits. Uh, let's talk about Joe Shane. So on Tuesday, Joe Shane spoke to the media that has assembled at the Combine in Indianapolis. Let's chat about some of the big talking points that came out from his presser. So, Kev, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I just want to touch on, you know, the Barkley and McKinney. Um, you know, Shane spoke about Barkley McKinney and uh, his opening before any questions had even been asked. Uh, most likely preempting all of those questions. Uh, so he used the time better. Um he mentioned that he'd be speaking to Barclays reps during the week, um, that that was planned, so that was going to happen. Um, regarding X, he had said that uh, X's agent, David uh, Mulligetta, uh, would be meeting with him today on Friday um, at the beginning uh, to begin the talks, um, and then and they would commence. So uh, it's very interesting there. I mean, um, we obviously want to get deals done with these guys. Um, and just to go off topic a little bit, uh, did you see the interview the X done recently? Uh, the other night with um, one of the Giants beat writers. He was on his Pat podcast. Leonard. Pat Leonard, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I haven't watched it all. I've watched half of it. I watched the first half of it. Um, I don't know if it was just me, but X did not come across how I expected him to come across. I, I thought he was quite a humble person, very interesting, obviously big fan of the arts. Um, and yeah, I just... I don't know. It almost shocks me a little bit, and I guess that's the perception that you have of footballers. Is and it's something that Pat Leonard said: is you know, you most people see you with a helmet and shoulder pads on; they don't see the real you. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a it was a really good interview with what I've heard. So 
so far. Yeah, just I mean, I, th- I thought it was a little bit eye opening. Um, he very much wants to get paid like a top safety. That that does come mm. across. Um, mm. but he did, he said as well he wanted to be a one team player. He wanted to, you know stay with the Giants. He said like you know he he um, played for the same high school all his career. He went to Alabama. He had opportunities to leave Alabama and go other places when he wasn't getting playing time. He decided this, he wanted to stick that out because he wanted to stay there. Um, and I got the feeling that he really, really does want to be a giant. So it kind of like seeing that has kind of uh, made me a bit more uh, optimistic about talks going forward um, uh, than mm. I maybe was. I, I would have, I was on the fence whether he'd stay or go, but I'm kind of leaning towards him staying now. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, so next up on on his agenda, um, you know, he he kind of as as. Kev said he he touched on the the Barkley and X stuff before he really got into the questions and lo and behold the first question was about Daniel Jones and the quarterback plans uh, and as expected Joe kind of gave that non-committal answer that you would expect like the PR answer at the moment you you hold your your cards close to your chest he mentioned that they know they'll have to add one and whether it will be a vet or or in the draft but did kind of reiterate that it can be via both. And that just because they sign a veteran in free agency doesn't preclude them from taking one in the draft and vice versa. So just because they're planning to take one in the draft, which is looking very likely, um, it wouldn't surprise me if if a vet is picked up. Um, there were there were weird, in my opinion, weird quotes from Joe saying that he was going to meet with Tyrod's representatives. I'm not sure I'm quite. A fan of that, but we all know my view on on Tyrod. Um, there were also follow up questions about Daniel's ACL recovery, whether Shone still had faith in Jones, and whether the bar for the starting quarterback was to get you to a Super Bowl, and whether Jones could do that um, in that sense. I mean, what did you make of his comments on Jones? Because I know a lot of a lot of fans have read into it as much as they possibly can, because that's what they will do, but. He didn't really say a lot, let's be honest. He didn't. It was very much like, you know, <clears throat> do you believe in Daniel Jones? Yes, I believe in Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, can Daniel Jones take you to Super Bowl? He goes, I believe in Daniel Jones as our starting quarterback. Um, <laughs> he very much sort of hammered that home. And, you know, just from, from uh, picking up some stuff in X and stuff, you know, some chatter going around, you know, um, they do think Jones can be, still can be a very, very good quarterback. But they are, they are aware that, like, he played four games last year. We have to remember that, and, you know. Yes, he played badly in them, but it was only four games. He didn't really have a chance to to turn the. Sh- he, sorry, he started um, started and finished four games last year, hmm. and um, he just you know bringing Tyrod back you know would be an interesting move. But I just think in the his injury history as well, he doesn't protect himself. Do you know what I mean? So he always gets some, puts himself in harm way. I just think like you know uh, we will address uh, the 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 quarterback position in uh, later on in this discussion. Um, but I just think um, with Daniel Jones, it's very much like he, they believe that they can win with Daniel Jones and they're going to try and pit people around him. But I think they're very wary of his injury history with the necks and shoulders and knees. Um, mm. So so I think they're, they will try and um, cover themselves, you know, mm. uh, with bringing in a, a veteran quarterback. And if the opportunity arises to get a uh, quarterback that they believe they can develop, I think they'll do that as well. It's interesting because... Um... I was watching Talking Giants. They dropped a new pod earlier with uh, Jordan Renan. And one of the things that Bobby said was, well, kind of, if you think about it, Evan 
I can't remember, was it Bobby? It might have been Justin. It was one of the two said, well, it's kind of, if you think about it, Evan Neal's in the same boat because he's only two years into his into his NFL career, but he has that perception now of being injury prone, just like Jones. And just like Jones is under pressure at his position and they talk. there's talk about whether he could be replaced. So there's a lot of that around, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, <clears throat> like Evan Neal is getting that tag of a, a boss now. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Taking, what, seventh overall uh, in that draft that we took uh, Thibodeau. And we were hailing the fact that we were getting a franchise tackle and a franchise edge rusher. And uh, Evan Neal hasn't quite lived up to that. Now, they've still been playing him at right tackle. They still believe in him there. Um, mm. And it will be interesting to see with this new offensive line coach. And if Neal can stay healthy... Um, in camp and stuff like that, it'll be a fierce fight for 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 the offensive line, um, especially that right side tackle. So, um, conversation kind of moved on from there. Kev, what 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 did he speak about next? Well, it kind of evolved from Jones and up to potential trade up into the top three. Uh, Sheehan said that uh, free agency will be set the table for some of the decisions, but he also mentioned that in order to trade up, you must be comfortable with the player uh, you're trading up for which may lead to the fact that the Giants may wait to be in on the clock. Um, he also uh, he was also asked about being comfortable with the state of the roster to give up picks. It would cost the trade up. He mentioned that it was, uh, mentioned it was hard to answer prior to free agency, but they haven't had the exposure to the prospects yet. Now, I find this very, very interesting because, like, if they haven't, they, they've seen film, and you can only hmm. see so much on film. They want to get around these guys. They want to be in their faces. They want to talk ball with them. They want to build relationships, and they want to see how they carry themselves. So there's no chance of us sort of move if we decide to move. There's no chance of us moving right now until sort hmm. of all the chips have fallen, um, and these guys have actually uh, got on to uh, see these players properly, up close and personal, and have these interviews. And they're obviously interviewing with all these players. Um, uh, in the in the combine this weekend, so they'd be interested to come with that. But I was thinking about this the other day as well, and I was thinking like, if any of those three quarterbacks, the Giants believe that they're that good to move up for, like they're that good to move up for, why would those any of those three teams in one, two, or three not pick them then? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of think it'll be a bit of a stalemate there. It's like either they're not good enough to go up for, so don't go up for them. Or they hmm. are good enough to go up for, and the three teams that are currently there will just pick them uh, because they're that good. So, uh, like, uh, what's your kind of what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, the, I, I totally totally agree. Um, I saw there's so much chatter at the moment. This is what I, I love about the combine. Um, it's kind of moved away from just being an on-field exercise, and there's just so much that happens. You know, the interviews and the first chance that the GMs and the head coaches have all had. The opportunity to be in the same room together or the same building together really in a business environment since well mid well probably even pre-season last year because mm. they don't often all get together at the same time i i totally agree with what you're saying in in regards to the if they're that good you're not moving away and it's quite a, a rarity as well that we have three teams at the top who all need a quarterback I mean, the Bears don't need one, but they obviously aren't sold on Justin Fields. And I think that him going to Atlanta is the worst kept secret outside of, as um, who was it? 
who said it earlier. I can't remember. There was, uh, one of the um, SNY guys, I've forgotten his name, he said earlier the second worst-kept um, worst secret in the combine is that the Giants want to move up for a quarterback. So, you know, I think Fields has gone to Atlanta. So the Bears are going to take Caleb. I, I, I'd be very shocked if they don't. Why would Washington pass if they don't believe in Sam Howell? And the Patriots don't have anyone. Like, if, unless they're going to go for Russell Wilson or, you know, another vet in free agency, free agency will be the key, won't it? Like, yes. if it turns around and they say the Giants have traded up to three the day before free agency, you know damn well that the Patriots have got a quarterback that they liked in free agency. Like that, oh. That's how it will, it will come down to it. Oh, the free agents would be massive. It'd be, it'd be a bit, so much of a tell, because mm. um, I kind of feel like um, if you if the Giants go out in free agency and say they sign a Michael Pittman, you know, or mm. or, a, or, a, or one of those other top wide receivers, and then sign an often a, a top offensive lineman like a, like a, a tackle of some kind, um, mm. that would kind of lead, lead lead me to believe that okay, then we're putting our ducks in a row to start to give up capital to move up now. Yeah. I mean, Darren said, just going back to obviously Daniel Jones, that Darren said there, uh, surely the biggest thing with DJ is his mental state. Those last couple of games before he was injured, he looked terrified. I mean, I'm I'm not defending the man, but I'd be shitting, shitting bricks if I was behind that bloody offensive line myself. So, um, especially before he was injured for the season, obviously he got coming back with a damaged neck and you're like, brilliant, I've got Evan Neal, um, you know, some of these, some of the others on the on the line blocking for me doesn't exactly feel you were confident. So, um, lastly, on the um, on the Joe Shane presser, let's let's talk about his comments on the salary cap because um, he was asked that if it changed his perception of using the franchise or transition tags, which he kind of did allude to. Yes, it it, it could be done, um, it, and he said that when he was speaking about Barkley that the. The franchise tag is obviously in play there. Not that you really want to use it because any time that you're blocking out a big chunk of money year one just is just not a good business decision, really, unless you don't have another option. He did mention that when he opened up the email with the cap number, he couldn't believe how much it had gone up. And he said that a lot of his staff were kind of on vacation and weren't really in the building and they had to quickly reconvene as they were planning conservatory in the sort of... 241 to 243 million range and obviously it was a pleasant surprise when it came in that the number that it did but you know as a whole there Kev there isn't anything shocking despite the fans obviously you know on X trying to read into every little morsel as they always will do but what what are your takeaway thoughts uh, as a whole? Yeah I mean I don't think Joe Sheen give much away um Kind of a lot of the answers were what we were expecting. Um, mm. It's kind of interesting the, the the salary cap one though. You know, the, you know, you said they were expecting around the range of two four one, two four three, and now it's two five five. Mm. So that's next to what twelve fourteen million that they weren't expecting. I mean, that's if you want to players. keep Saquon. Well, it's a couple of players, but also there's your tag for Barkley straight away. Like, mm. and you can yeah. move on with the rest of your plans. Um, mm. I mean, it's kind of, I kind of look at it like that, but also it does uh, bring another two or three players into into the mix. Um, so I find that quite interesting. I mean, like, 
I'm interested to see uh, if we start to hear anything about negotiations. I mean, there's been rumors that Barkley uh, is gaining a lot of interest from the Texans. If he's the Texans, mm. I mean, he's been speaking with CJ Shroud. Uh, and I've kind of heard a lot of people suggesting that it would be a great landing spot there for him. Uh, you know, they've got CJ Shroud on a rookie deal for another four years. So they bring Barkley in for on a three-year deal and slightly overpay him. They'll kind of mm. counterba counterbalance that. So you can kind of see that happen. They've got lots of cap to play with as well. Um, but the um, yeah, I'm just sort of interested to see like what comes out of out of the combine after these meetings because we kind of mm -hmm. want to know what's happening with X and Saquon, don't we? We kind of want to know. Look, are you guys coming back? Are you going to be giants for a foreseeable time? And then mm -hmm. can we start to get our other ducks in the row and other like positions to go after? So um, um, yeah, I mean, he didn't give too much away, uh, but there was enough there to sort of go, okay, you know, it's interesting going forward. Um, yeah, big year for him though. Oh yeah, massive, massive year. Um, and I just kind of want to touch on something that, um, the, again, the Talking Giants and Jordan Renan were, were talking about. They were they were talking about X, and then they were talking about Barkley. Um, and they said, if you gave Joe Shane truth serum, <laughs> do you do you think do you think that he would quite openly admit that he hopes another team comes in and pays Barkley something that we don't we can't match? Ooh. It makes no sense for us. So then he can go. Sorry, it's just a bit rich for me. I'm I'm out, sort of thing. I'd, it wouldn't surprise me if that that's like almost like a a nice case scenario, not the best case scenario, but a nice case scenario where he can just go. You know what? Well done. You've been paid. Some team was brave. I won't call them stupid. Brave enough to pay you twelve to fourteen a year for a few years. And Joe just goes, you know what? We've got other other issues here. That's too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think Brian Dable and Joe Sheehan actually valued running backs like other teams do anyway. I mean, they kind of no. came into the situation with Saquon Barkley. You know, obviously, they're not his draft pick. Mm. I kind of think, like, uh, you, hope it's, you hope it's two scenarios. You hope it's Saquon tests the market. No one's giving him 10 plus, like no one. So he kind of comes back to the Giants. The Giants come in at nine, ten million per year, um, and kind of you know a goodwill, you know, bone like you know achievable bonuses or whatever. Um, and it's kind of like okay, so he's back for around ten million a year, nine million, something like that. Some pal palatable that they might want not want to go to, but they can mm. live with. Um, mm. or the other good situation is like, exactly like you said. Someone comes in with fifteen mil per year, and just mm. like Joe Shane goes, whoa, what? <laughs> You know, we, we went as high as we could, but that's just a little bit of a stretch for us. And, oh, mm. my God, you know, what, you know, you know, we couldn't do that. You know, what you don't want, though, is that someone come in or him to go to another team for around 11 million per year. Because mm. then that was, I, I think, 11, 12 might be a little bit of a stretch for the Giants. Um, but I can definitely see another team giving that. Then it's like, ooh, what, you couldn't go from 9 to 11, Joshi, and just to keep this sort of, like, star running back. Though, if you think about it, it was only a million between the franchise tag and what they were offering last year. So, you know, the the, yeah. the precedence has been set there. Um, and as Steve said, it doesn't help Saquon with the list of free agent running backs this time. Uh, not too many teams need somebody there. It's very true. There are not many teams. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me over the next few years, um, this is me just kind of thinking out loud, but over the next few years, if the market kind of does diminish and then maybe levels out but more teams are much happier having two running backs yeah. 
as opposed to that one lead back. I think I feel like that's the way it's gonna it's gonna go. So it's less less tread on the tires, longer careers, but less money, less money up front, longer over because you get the career extended. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that as well. But also, did you hear Joshian's presser? He kind of, um, I thought he was not tip his cap a bit, but I thought, oh, has he slipped up here when he kind of said about the running back and mark the running back market being um, like being basically lots of good players in the running back market, and mm. he actually name dropped uh, Zach Moss and um, Singletary, Singletary who mm. two players that he was part of the the front office team that drafted, and those two <laughs> players are free agents this year. I mean. <laughs> You know, I did mention it on um, what the free agent po- podcast we done. You know, you bring Singletary in for four, five. Do you know what I mean for mm-hmm. one year to see how he goes? Um, instead of bringing Saquon back on a twelve million, um, twelve million tag. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was a Freudian slip there, or or he just you know he just named up a couple of players that he knew. But I thought that was a little bit interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, let's. Do it. The main event, the, the reason for all the research, um, the reason that me and Kev have probably spoken on WhatsApp more <laughs> times in the last three days than we have done in the last two years. Um, have, have you enjoyed but, it though? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's been it's, been, fun, it's, it's, it? been, it's been real good fun. Um, so last Monday, so Monday gone, Monday before, Kev sent a message into the group saying, uh, just listen to the He's a Giant pod. They've done a really good episode about fixing the Giants. Exact episode I wanted to do. And from there, we kind of got talking about how we could do it. Is it possible? And one week after learning how to use over the caps cap calculator, uh, for me to learn how to structure contracts uh, and what the different free agent types mean. I think we kind of have enough of a grasp that we could do it. Then we just had to agree what we wanted to do. And that kind of starts with Daniel Jones, doesn't it? That was our first conversation was, right, he's under contract. There's nothing we can do about that. We can't shaft the cap in a way that says get rid of him because <laughs> that's not what we're going to do. The roster holes are vast. So let's build around Jones to begin with stay put in the draft don't don't trade up we'll we'll pick at six and we'll see where it takes us so here you go this is how Kevin and I would fix the Giants starting with cuts and restructures I'm I'm gonna take cuts Kev will talk restructures in a second so we start off and we're literally gonna go through we've got all the cap numbers we're telling you exactly how much we're spending how much cap we have left how much cap is at the end everything so we start off with 32 million just over 32 million cap space the first thing we do is cut Mark Glowinski for 5.6 million now, Glowinski lost his job after week one's collapse against Dallas after recording a 1.0 PFF pass block grade. And he only... Oh, he only it is, isn't it? But imagine, oh. give, imagine giving him a one, not giving him a zero. Like, the one's worse. Yeah. I think yeah. the one's worse. Because it's like, you maybe did something right. <laughs> you were a turnstile for the whole game. Yeah. Um, he only returned to the starting lineup due to injury. The move adds 1.5 million dead cap money to the to the to the cap space, but saves just under 5.7 really in total. Uh, and the second one, um, this was one of my early shouts, I think, um, was to cut Aaron Robinson. Uh, Robinson's 1.36 million cap saving might seem small, however, considering we've paid him 
more than 3.8 million since 2021. And he's played 11 of the possible 53 that he should have been available for. It is not money well spent anymore. And I would <laughs> rather give that 1.36 million towards a better player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, put, put, put him on that bus. He he looked like a promising player when we drafted him, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and he, he just hasn't been able to play well at all. Uh, so those are the cuts we made. We decided that we do some restructuring as well. Now, one of the discussions was Daniel Jones is a candidate for restructuring. He was restructured last year to move some money around. But we decided with the cap increase and the two players we did end up restructuring that we would have enough cap room to be able to do the things we want to do. So we decided to leave Daniel Jones' contract alone. Um, and we decided to uh, move over to Andrew Thomas. Now, Andrew Thomas, uh, we basically converted, third, was it, 13 million? Uh, we created, was it 17.5 million we created by restructuring him? Mm. And basically what that's doing is taking his salary for next season, putting it into a bonus, and then you're spreading it out throughout the the current the, the rest of the the rest of the years of the of the um of the contract now to take to take money um and spread it over like was it four or five years for Andrew Thomas you're only adding a couple of million each year mm. and as the cap's going up you know so it's, it's definitely someone that will be here someone who's a good player someone that's proven um so we decided to do that with him and Dexter Lawrence because these are pillars of the team mm. and um you know, the way the contracts are structured, they'll actually seem quite cheap in about three or four years' time anyway. Mm. Um, but both players are due to count for a cap, uh, count against the cap for a combined 45.75 million, which is almost 18% of the total team salary cap. By restructuring the two deals uh, to the maximum and over the cap projects that we free up an additional 27.8 million. With Dex under contract until 27 and Thomas until 29, Future cap increases should negate the portions of the money pushed forward. Um, and we were talking about Jones, you know, his, he's got a 47 million cap hit, but we decided to leave that alone um, and we'll just sort of swallow that this year because we may need to cut him free next year. So if we do decide that, we want the uh, dead cap to be as minimal as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they weren't the only cuts and restructures we looked at um there were plenty of other options um we could have restructured a karake that would freed up an additional five million but with us now having 67 million free in cap space it's probably not needed um waller slayton pinnock basham all potential cuts that we had conversations over uh you know lawrence cager left so probably looks too bare without Waller plus the dead money versus cap saving, probably not worth it to replace him. You're not going to replace him for the money. Slayton, you could save 6 million, but you'd be pressed to find a replacement for less, especially one that understands the Giants and, and really understands everything that Dable and Shane are building right now. Pinnock, exactly the same. And after last season, you want to keep somebody who was a starter for most of the games. And yes, you would be able to save 6 million, but can you replace Pinnock for six million? Probably not. Uh, and Basham was one that we spoke about. You know, one point four million if you cut Basham didn't really do a lot last season, but he sits in a weak outside linebacker sort of the the end room, and really for that kind of money, it's not worth cutting him. He does add value at one point four million. I know, in and a weird bring him way. in for. Yeah, exactly. But bring him in for an off season. He hasn't had that. He got we treated for him through the, at the beginning of the season or through mm. the through the season. So you know, for that type of price point, you'd you'd sort of happily keep him on the team. 
and sort of um, see where you go. And also, just just touch on something quickly as well, like you know, but the fifty-one rule in the preseason. So hmm. the fifty-one rule basically is, you know, the, you allowed ninety man, 90, a ninety-man roster. Now, of course, if you have 90, if you're accounting for all ninety players, you'd have no cap left because you know. So the kind of rule is before the start of the season is that only the highest-paid fifty-one players actually count against the cap. So all those sort of back-end roster guys, you bring guys in for like one million nine hundred k, they actually won't count against the cap because they'll be on the lesser-paid guys. Um, mm. So just sort of, it's, just, it's worth just noting that you know, just because you bring someone in at nine hundred k or one million, you know, a lot of the times that won't actually count against the cap because they will be fifty-fifth highest-paid player. If that makes sense. Yeah, and that's a, a really, really good point to make sort of right now as well as we start to look at the free agent signings. Um, the way that we've done these is that we've said how much we're going to sign them for, how long, um, what kind of bonuses we're giving them. But we also give you an idea of you know the cap space we have left at the end. And that cap space might not reflect the deal that we've just said because of the fact that it's pushing players out of the 51 and it's only really the differential between the two contracts that's going to count. So, if we leave it there with cuts and restructures, we move so, on to the next one. Just for just again for the listeners viewers, how much money are we starting with now before we start to go uh, shopping in the Harrods or other places? <laughs> shopping in Harrods. <laughs> um, we have sixty-seven point one million to spend. You wouldn't have thought Trump that. Change. Trump change. <laughs> right, so, yeah, the spend the spend John Mara's money. All right, so we we'll start off with the big guns. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll re-sign Jacob Eaton and. Ben, uh, is it Benson? Benson Whitley? Benton yep. Whitley? Um, for 985,000 and 915,000, respectively, uh, which takes our 67 million down to 66,700 grand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not exciting. It's not sexy. All right. Two we'll cheap. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Uh, two cheap bodies who in ESA will provide an extra quarterback in camp. And while Jones recovers from his ACL, um, uh, operation and in Whitley he bulks bulks that numbers in that thin outside linebacker room for those kind of numbers if you end up cutting them you're not you're not going to miss it like they're they're two just easy re-signs I think they were exclusive right free agents as yeah. well so it, it's it's a no-brainer there um into special teams uh Casey Kreiter will re-sign Casey 1.2 million $150,000 bonus as well. And then Gunnar Olszewski, we will pop onto a two-year contract. Um, 1.2 million signing bonus, that's spread across the two years. Year one, 1.125 million. Year two, 1.8 million. Um, both of those deals taking us down to just over 65 million in cap space. Um, two of the more reliable sort of stewards of the special teams room last season. For Kreiter, it seems stupid not to keep the chemistry between him, Gano and Gillen for another season. You know, you don't fix what's not broken. Uh, and in the terms of what Kreiter brings to the table, not broken. Uh, and in Gunner's case, we need a reliable, consistent returner. And we actually need a returner for the first time in <laughs> in years. We actually had one. Don't get you don't get rid of that. You know, he showed yeah. he is 
exactly what he is and more. Um, and you really, for the money that you're talking there, you 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 don't you know you don't push your nose up at it. Hundred percent, like two like steady Eddie players that just like make sense. But they both earned contracts. Obviously, friend of the podcast, uh, Casey and Gunnar, like said, yeah, he came in, he earned it. He just was steady, reliable, and that's exactly what we needed at that position. Yep. Go on then, take us away with a couple more uh, sexy ones. <laughs> so move on to the more sexier ones. Uh, so we re-signed McLeod again to what just a one point two million contract. That uh, takes us down to sixty four point eight nine. Uh, McLeod was always a reliable backup when called upon, and outperformed starter Audrey Jackson, who, spoiler alert, is not coming back. Ooh. <laughs> With the Giants' cornerback room needing bodies, this was absolutely no brainer. Um, for reference, uh, 1,055,000 2024 uh, minimum for a three year player. Cornerback James Pierre was a, a restricted free agent last year with the Steelers and got 1.3. Um, another re sign is Hodgins. Again, for one million uh, fifty-five thousand, um, takes us down to just over sixty-four and a half million. Uh, Hodgins might not have had the two thousand twenty-three that he wanted, um, but with Slayton and Wandale ahead of him in the depth chart, it took lesser share of snaps uh, with Hyatt, um, Shepard, and Campbell's departures though leave us thin, and Hodgins is a great backup to have. Um, so yes, yeah, so, I so was happy to get the, those two back in. You know, again, you know what you're getting with these guys. You know, the the the, the coaches know them. Uh, and they are reliable when called upon. Uh, and we did decide to re-sign Justin Pugh on a 1.2 million contract with 260k bonus and 100k per game bonus, taking it up to 1.7 mil. Um, for some, it might be a divisive move, but for us, it was a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, the Giants' guard room consists of Izudu and McKeithen, two mid-round players going into their third seasons. Pugh gives the room a veteran backup, rotational pace, that offers invaluable behind-the-scenes tutorship and experience. Absolutely, um, you know, it, it's an interesting pivot from my uh, ass assumption two weeks ago that Pew would retire at the end of the season, um, and and that was very quickly shot down by the man himself, who said that he wants to he wants to return. Um, the New York Giants rush guys had him on the podcast recently. Good listen, that one. Um, just as insightful as he was with us. Uh, we had a good little back and forth just about how much Hugh is valuable in ways that you wouldn't expect a football player to be valuable in your locker room. Um, and it makes perfect sense. Um, three more players. We'll go back and forth between the two of us on these three. So I'll go first. Um, Resign Isaiah Simmons. Um could really be a Bowen decision, this one. But for us, he signs up for another season. Uh, might not start, uh, really jump out as a bona fide starter at any one position. But the versatility that he brings is something that the Giants have really valued. And as a pass rusher, he had his career best rating of 77.2. So there's obviously a niche there for him that we could pick out. <clears throat> With the Giants thin on rushes, that could be a rotational role that he could carve out now. We gave him 1.3 million... Uh, signing bonus 1.125 million um, salary and a 50k per game bonus which is I, I think is exactly the same as what he had last year uh, on his contract or at least somebody had a similar uh, similar age similar kind of standing in the game had a, a similar sort of per game roster bonus there so that takes us just under the 60 million cap space now we're really hitting into the big guns 
Um, and just on Simmons as well, I think like, you know, again, he was treated for. <clears throat> so I think like if he has a good conversation with Bowen and when Bo- Bowen comes in officially, um, I think, you know, he could sign for another prove it deal. So I do think mm. like, you know, he could, you know, if, if they have good conversations, he could go out and earn himself a, a more healthier contract next season if he has a good prove it deal this year. Um, so, look, we're going to do what we kind of all Giants fans want us to do. We're going to sign, re-sign Xavier McKinney. And we're going to sign him to a $61.5 million uh, contract over four years. Um, with the additional cap money the NFL has bestowed upon the league, the Giants should retain McKinney, and that's exactly what we're going for here. The Giants um, haven't had a great record in retaining their own talent, but McKinney is a current captain and one of the best players in the league, and he's only 24 years of age. And we kind of touched on that earlier on, but I just want to, again, get your thoughts about this move. Yeah, I mean, we went back and forth on on this one. Not so much the re-signing, but kind of the money, wasn't it? Um, At one point, I said five years looking, you know, just to you know, lift the hood up a little bit and take, in, take a look inside the engine as, as to what me and Kev really did here. Um, this wasn't just us pulling numbers out of the hat. Like, we really did our research on this. We we had a look at the other top five safeties, um, how their contracts were um, planned out. You know, a lot of them signed their contract prior to their the expiry of their deal. So kind of the five-year contract was actually just an extension of their original rookie deal and that's where we've come in at the four-year mark because of the fact that McKinney's actually at the end of his contract um the money's backloaded but as again we found out contracts have money backloaded that's just how they work you, you yeah. your cap hit in year one is is low we're Very signing low, up, low. <laughs> yeah and we're signing a lot of players because a lot of players have left the Giants so you might think oh it's an expensive contract, but we've gone four year, you know, four million year one, eleven point five year two, twelve point five year th- three, fourteen point five year four, with a fifteen million bonus spread across that. So it's a lot of money, but when you actually break it down, and you know, me and Kev, neither of us are general managers or cap, you know, cap people working in the NFL. This is just our opinion on on how it yeah. works, but I personally think that that's a pretty good deal. I mean, what sixty one point five million across four years? Yeah, it comes a bit quick, quick, quick maths off the top of my head. Fourteen point six around that. It's fifteen point three. Fifteen point three. So, so, so it yeah. gets them. It gets them over that fifteen mil per year that people like to see on on social media and stuff like that. You know, although mm. you know, we'd only count against the cap for I don't know seven or eight million in the first year, but. You know, it's, it's that sort of getting them across that. You kind of like you're showing, okay, okay, we don't think you're going to get 17, 18 million, but we're willing mm. to go up to 15, you know, at least break that barrier of around 15 per year. So I think it's a good, good contract for all. And um, it's definitely one I could see in signing. Yeah, we, we, um, I think we even had it higher at one point and we were just kind of looking at, at it from a realism and a Joe Shane kind of standpoint. I think we had it as high as. 65 across the four years at one point so we we just kind of like nitpicking little millions here and and the giants will do that because they will want the best value for their money but they could also just push that kind of extra four million just to go okay sign on the dotted line because four million for x across four years it's not a lot yeah right another 
another one. This will upset <laughs> this 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 will upset Keith, who's already already um, shown his colours last season when we were talking about this player. Um, we are going to re-sign Saquon Barkley as as part of our our uh, example here. Um, twelve million signing. Uh, 12 million signing bonus, 1.5 in the first year with a 2 million pro-rated bonus uh, based on incentives. Uh, that's been an eye-opener, looking at non... non, Yeah, uh, 4 million in the second year with a 4 million bonus and then 8.5 in the last year. So it's a 32 million deal across three years. Um, I don't think this happens if the salary cap doesn't jump as far. I think if the salary cap was in that one four five range, me and Kev probably say no. Mm-hmm. And Barkley was one of those additions that we kind of came back to. We came back to it after we really started looking at the external players and we went, actually, we probably need to bring Saquon back here. Um, Signing Barkley to a longer-term deal with an out after two years kind of keeps the Giants' best offensive weapon in recent times on the team. And it also means that for Barkley, he maybe takes a a slightly lower deal than he would want, but then he doesn't have to go against the myriad of other backs that have saturated this year's market and could saturate it even further than what we're anticipating Mm -hmm. here. So, um, so yeah, so that's all of the Giant free agents. but again, just to talk about Barkley as well, like it gets him to that 10.5 million per year average. I mean, it just gets yes. him over that sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting double figures average per year. I mean, we're saying you can get out in the third year. I mean, I mean, I think like the third year we had him at 12 or 13 against the cap, but it only costs like three or four million to cut him. So you're saving like eight or nine million last year if you need it, if you need to. So we did kind of structure with that in mind that, you know, we're giving him the plus 10 million per year average, but also we've got out after two yeah, absolutely, uh, and it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Just as a as a player, um, he's already expressed his interest in in staying with the Giants. So, yeah. So, if you look at the kind of roster at this time, uh, which is something we did throughout, is we really did keep an eye on the roster numbers and uh, versus last year as well. Um, there aren't many massive holes, but. There are a few at kind of key positions. I mean, between centre and guard last year, there were eight players on on the roster who could really play either position. At this time, before we go into the external players, we only have four under contract, so it's less than half. And and that's kind of where where you don't realise that the Giants are quite maybe as light. I mean, at tackle, there's only Thomas and Neil outside of the developmental players and the practice squad. Like... That that's a that's one area that really took a hit, you know. Outside linebacker uh, slash defensive end, Thibodeau, Ojolari, Basham, Whitley doesn't exactly get you know the fires inside burning, does it? So there are still holes on this roster, but I think that's a really good start with the players who are known to the Giants, and then obviously we move we move forward onto the external players. Now, we have 46, just under 46 and a half million cap number here. Um, it's about to get really uh, tested to its <laughs> limits, isn't it, Kev? It is. And we could have gone crazy and gone like <clears throat> absolute mental. Um, I mean, we kind of looked at the current roster, 
who's who's left and who we brought back and, and we let a lot of dead wood go i mean we we didn't bring back sort of like anyone we didn't think was deserving of it or or a potential young player but the, but we decided that you know we needed to to get good players in. We couldn't really scrape the bottom of the barrel. We needed to to make shrewd decisions. Um, and one of the first things we looked at um, was uh, as we as you mentioned earlier about Bowen's um, um, kind of offense. It's more. It's not sort of blitz happy as a wink. Mm. It's more like the four four down line and go after it with the odd mm. blitz. So we both discussed and we thought, right, we need Aziz Ojulari's play. And injury history hasn't sort of been what, it, what what we thought it would be over the course of his career. So we went for Bryce Huff, ex-Jets um, player. We gave him a $68 million contract over four years, $20 million sign-in bonus, and then salary of 1.579, um, um, And basically, that, that would then take it down to just under $39 million. Um, so the first major splash uh, that we saw, and it's it's a bit of a splash to be honest. It's not huge. It's not the twenty plus million, no, but it is like a decent amount of money you're giving him because you are giving him sixty eight million over four years. And I'll let you do the quick math on year uh, what that is per year. But uh, it was ESPN's Matt Bo- uh, Bone recently described Huff as a flamethrower off the edge. But the Giants um, shifting from Wink's defense onto Bowen's um, uh, defense. Um, <clears throat> they'll need some more reliable opposites uh, at Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Huff has a pass win rate of 21.8% last season. You know, placed them at 1.6% above Dexter Lawrence, who was the Giants um, with the highest pass washer rate last season. He also had 10 sacks, only bettered by Tibbs, and his 45 hurries was equal to Dex and 18, and 18 above Thibodeau. This is a player who played under 50% of the snaps for the the Jets last year. Um, so I think, you know, he's proven now. You know, he, he was an undrafted free agent when the Jets signed him, but he's had a fantastic career for them. But they've, you know, they want to invest in their first round tackle, uh, first round edge defender last year, McDonald, Will McDonald, and they have other pieces. So they just couldn't uh, sign him. And they also said this week at the Combine that they wouldn't be placing the franchise tag on him. So I do believe he hits free agency, and I believe he's a player that we can um, go after and, and could add to this team. Yeah, and you know, with all of these players that are coming up, we've done due diligence and we've looked at different areas and we've looked at different writers who have who have kind of tipped their hat to who they think might go or who might be a good fit. And Huff comes up quite a lot as someone who would be a, a good fit for the Giants. So it just made perfect sense. Edge Russia is an area that we've moaned about for quite some time. As you said, Ojolari is injury prone, can't be relied on. Basham, we have no idea. We have Tamon Fox, obviously in the the back end, and, and Whitley as well, but both raw. So this really, really highlights an area of need for us. And talking of looking at areas that need highlighting, uh, the next one, kind of next mini splash, shall we say is to give a little bit of long-term solidarity to the guard position, which due to injuries and poor play has seen seven different starters in the two years Shane and Dable have been in charge. Now, we've gone for Jonah Jackson, uh, who spent four years with Detroit. He only allowed two sacks last year and despite an up-and-down season, saved his best performance for the divisional playoff loss against Tampa. 
Despite his 60.7 pass blocking grade seeming around mid-range, it's actually higher than any of the Giants' six guards last year. And only Glowinski bettered his run block grade. And as we know, Glowinski had a limited role last season after being dropped. Now, we've signed Jonah to a three-year deal, 31.5 million, uh, 9 million signing, and then 1.56 and 9 plus a few non-pro bonuses in there. So not a huge splash, but a big enough splash at the guard position, but really filling a need, not a need, but a criticality for the Giants, really. It has, like, as we mentioned before, the two um, guards that are still on rookie contracts, Zudu and uh, McKeithen, they, mm. they, they go into third year and they just haven't really developed the way we would have hoped for. Whereas mm. uh, I think Jonah Jackson has proven to be a starting, uh, an above average starting guard in this league. And to mm. get him at just over 10 mil per year, and he's only 27, and as we know mm. for offensive linemen, they can play a little bit later. Um, I think it's just a, a really good mid-level, solid, above-average starter that, that we've been craving for. And I, I think that price point is just about right. I've just realised as well that um, we had assigned that one to you and I've just jumped the gun. Right. So you, you, you're welcome to take the next one, Kev, if you want to start firing through. Well, I'll just quickly talk about uh, Jermaine Luminer. Um, so the Giants need to explore at least giving Evan Neal a decent training camp battle. Uh, Luminor. Uh, might be the best option without breaking the bank and going for one of the top players available. Illuminar has played both tackle spots, right guard offering versatility, and the Giants will miss Brem Bedison, who's not returning in this uh, in this mock that we've done. Um, last season, he had 779 right tackle snaps, only allowing 28 overall pressures, um, and while in the run game, he shone. He also spent the last two seasons under tutelage of the new Giants offensive line coach, Carmen Brasillo, um, and he also uh, played with him in 2019 as well as he uh, Brasillo was a uh, uh, assistant online coach at the Patriots so he's known for there and he's taken him to Vegas so he obviously trusts him and of course he's a Londoner as well so like come on you gotta uh, look after the old London guys as well bringing in but I just think you know he's a type of player like um, and he's uh, 29 or 30 I think so he's that type of player in that two year deal 15 million you know with an average of 7.5 you know 4.5 million signing bonuses for 4.5 million year one and six million in year two. Um, I think that just sort of brings in someone who can give competition. Um, he's also has versatility across the line as well. So, you know, worst case scenario is your swing tackle. Um, well, worst case scenario for him that he's a swing tackle, but he could push Evan Neal for that starting job. Uh, and he's proven to be to, to be capable of it. So uh, I, I, I do like that one a lot, to be fair. Um, and then you've gone for, uh, the next one you've gone for is helping the defensive back room. Yeah, so one of the sort of big areas of need that we found in in the team was that when you look at the cornerback room, it has an average age of 23 at the moment, which is, I think it's the second youngest in the league, or it's either the youngest or the second youngest. I know that the Packers, I think, and the Jags both have very young cornerback rooms, but we really could do with another veteran back there. And what we've done is, it might seem like an obvious pick, but it's a necessity of a pick. And we get a familiar face here for new defensive coordinator Shane Bowen uh, by picking up Sean Murphy Bunting. Uh, Bunting began his career at the Bucks and turned into a reasonable starter, mostly playing in the slot position. Last year at the Titans, he was asked to cover opposing teams' top receivers on the perimeter. 
and still totaled 57 tackles, eight pass breakups, and had two interceptions versus two touchdowns. We've given uh, Murphy Bunting a two-year, 13 million deal, uh, six million signing, 2.5 million in the first year, and 4.5 million in the second. There, thoughts on uh, Murphy Bunting there, Kev? We were we were quite keen on him very early, I think. Uh, yeah, very early. Just so that player, like I said, he's 26 years of age. Um, Bowen signed him to the Titans last year um, on a one-year deal. Um, he showed he showed uh, he showed to play he showed that he could play in this league when he was at the Bucks. Um, he played well last year, considering um, he was up going up against number one um, wide receivers in all teams. And I just think you know it's one of those ones that just makes too much sense to not mm. do it. So let's just go ahead and do it. So the next one was was a you shout, and I've and I I agreed, and I think this is. An interesting one. It'd be interesting to see what people think. So this this will be the first one where I really kind of say, let's know in the comments your kind of thoughts on this one because this this is maybe not controversial, but uh, a talking point. Yeah, I just thought this was an interesting one. As I was looking through some of the the quarterbacks, you know, the, it kind of jumped out at me, and I just and then when I went back to it again, it, the name always kind of like you know stood out a little bit for me, and that's the Giants signing Drew Locke. You know, five years ago the Giants, and then. GM Dave Gettleman hosted Lock for a pre-draft visit, um, and um, so you know, sort of like that. You know, he's known to the team as such. Um, as mentioned at the beginning of the show, this episode is focused on what we could do with Jones still being the starter, and Lock here. He's be here for our insurance policy, albeit a cheaper one, especially cheaper than Tyrod as well. Um, uh, yes, Lock has barely appeared in the last two years. His career touchdown interception ratio of twenty-eight and twenty-three doesn't ignite the embers. Of excitement, but after Dable and Kafta, after seeing what Dable and Kafta did with Devito and Tyrod last year, we expect him to to be a better player. Um, he only he's only missed one game due to injury in the last seven seasons as well. So he's kind of shown, you know, he's had a few injuries, but he's never missed time. He's kind of shown he's been, been a bit more durable. And as we said as well with Tyrod, I just think uh, would it be nice to bring Tyrod back? Some people think so. Uh, I just think that his injury history is just too too worrying. Uh, and then. To be able to give Locke three point eight two five million uh, for one year game, a one million signing bonus, a hundred k per game. Um, I just think that um, he's one of those players that he's a little bit in the mould of Daniel Jones. So like Daniel Jones light, he's able to, to to pick up yards with his legs. He's an okay thrower. Um, yeah, and I just think you know it, it could be someone to come in and hopefully never play a down. <laughs> but hmm. uh, with Daniel Jones' injury history, um, he might have to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was on board with this. Um, did a sort of deep dive into into Locke when we were talking about him. Um, who was the other? There were two others. We spoke about Jacoby Brissett, but we said he was just too expensive for what we were trying to build here. Um, and the other one was I cannot remember. We 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 touted two, didn't we, at the beginning? Uh, was it Tyler Huntley? Yes. Yeah, I think it might have been. Um, and we just said that we just thought that Drew Locke was the not safer option, but kind of like the better round option. Um, two more. Do you want to fire through the next two, Kev? Yeah. So the next two signings. Um, well, uh, we've signed uh, Murphy Bunting at cornerback, but our thought process was <clears throat> to move him back to the slot where he shone for Tampa, moving back to the slot. So we decided to sign veteran ronald darby who's i think 30 or 31 years of age just a 2.5 million contract 1 million sign in 1 million salary um that means we're still young uh 
we were still young and short-handed um, at the cornerback this uh, cornerback position. But Darby comes in, just brings that sort of veteran presence. You know, a bit of like it's been there, seen that. Um, I mean, a sporadic yet reliable start for Baltimore last season. A nine-year veteran can shore up the outside for us while being a great teacher and a presence in the room, um, especially one of these guidance uh, and Hawkins as well. I mean, he'd be so good for Hawkins. Hawkins showed so much promise, but I think his youth and inexperience sort of got to him last year a little bit. So I think mm. someone like Darby, who you can follow around and, and follow that veteran, uh, be really, really good. I mean, he's not an interception machine um, with an average of just under one a year, but uh, with seven pass breakups in a, a season and 56.7 reception rate average, he's still got a bit of juice about him. Um, and then another one we brought in, this is more of a, a end of roster type signing or, you know, we wanted to go um, with a third tight end. So we're going for another Drew here, Drew Sample. Um, he's definitely going to be sort of a backup pushing, uh, not even pushing for second, but like he will be like your solid third uh, tight end. He's a great all-round tight end. He might not be flashy, but he will deliver consistent numbers when called upon. His pass blocking and run blocking is above average. In the passing game, he might not have gotten a lot of targets, but the 81.5 reception rate and two touchdowns is a good return for a backup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Drew Sample was another one of your shouts. Um, and the second that I kind of started looking into it, um, it just made perfect sense. Uh, your third your third um, tight end really does need to be an all-rounder. They can't just be good at one thing. No disrespect to Lawrence Cager. He was Darren what I liked um, and wasn't really the blocking kind of tight end that we potentially needed at the time. And this really does kind of shore that up and Ronald Darby I mean I'm pretty sure it was last week that we uh, sorry not last week two weeks ago we were talking about our free agency once um and he was mine my free agency yeah. one uh, and I still just think it, it it makes sense the Ravens backfield was so good last year veteran and as you said really really could help our youngsters with Murphy Bunting also being in that room kind of gives them two veterans to bounce mm. off of rather than just the one in a dory that we had last season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> I think it's just, a, like I said, I kept coming back to him when we were looking at doing this process and I know, I know that you put his name forward. And again, I just thought, you don't need him to be your number one cornerback because Banks has proven that he is developing into a number one cornerback. So he doesn't need mm. to be a number one cornerback. Um, so I just thought like, you know, for a one-year deal at that price point, what do we say, 2.5 million for one year, I just mm. think it made far too much sense. And then bringing Drew Sample in for two, 2.05 million on a one-year deal uh, to be a really solid all-round uh, tight end, to be a third option, um, again, was just, you know, you know this is shoring up a solid team now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the two last kind of signings that we've made here, um, much lower on the contract basis, you know, really looking at the, the, the sort of vet minimum that you can get here. Um, the first one is Greg Van Rotten from uh, the Raiders. Uh, anyone want to try and hazard a guess as to why I decided to bring him up? Uh, familiarity signing for the new offensive coach, Brickello, as, we, as we're going to pick up the journeyman. 33-year-old could be seen as a bit of a risk with his injury history, but he did start all 17 games last season. Um, for the Raiders, finished 11th in pass blocking grade, 18th in run blocking and 8th overall in PFF offensive rating. 
He only allowed 21 overall pressures and zero penalties from the guard position as a 33-year-old. That's outrageous, you know, and that's the kind of cheap signing we want to hit on. Like we yeah. need to hit on these yeah. ones. And I do think that with the fact that he's been with Riquello for the last year really helps him settle. And the last oh, yeah, so one. I was just going to say, no, I was oh, gonna say yeah, Van Rotten's just, again, it's just one of those ones that make too much sense not to do. Like you said, mm. the stats you said there, but imagine like giving up zero penalties as, a, as an interior player. When you're going to get players like Donald, uh, and and these big sort of like flashy de tackles now. So yeah, again, you know, again another veteran in the room because the room's very light. And the last one you were you was what was one of mine. I pulled this out of a hat, and the second I did, you were just yes, it just made sense, didn't it? Um, how do you say his first name? Equinemius. He's Notre Dame, isn't he? Yeah, out of out of out of ND. Equinemius St. Brown, the, the, the lesser known. Brother. Yeah, sorry, go yeah. on, yeah. <laughs> the lesser known St. Brown, older brother, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so we're looking here, 500k signing bonus, 1.125 million, you know, vet minimum deal there. Last season, the Giants took a flyer on a few external wide outs in free agency with Paris Campbell, uh, Crowder and Jeff Smith. <laughs> Did you forget <laughs> about them, didn't you? Yeah, none of them panned out. Um, so what we've looked at here is, with the older St. Brown is a combination player who is not only just a valuable blocker as a wide receiver, because he really does stand out in the blocking game, but as that potential big body in the red zone or short down situations that we might potentially need, it, it's not a sexy or exciting pickup by any stretch of the imagination when it comes to wide receivers, but it's almost something that the Giants have missed. They almost miss that, that person who can just come in big body, Grab a catch, get a first yeah. down, walk off the field. See you later. You might get another ten snaps, like you know, in the passing game at least. So that pretty much rounds that out. Thoughts on Saint Brown there? Yeah, just being a six foot five, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Uh, he's quick enough. Uh, like you said, he's an excellent blocker in, in the run game and stuff like that. And he won't he won't set the world alight, but he's just again another solid, cheap player to come in and take vital snaps. So. That is all of our external players there. Uh, cap after that is 15 million. Goes quick, doesn't it? Yeah, 376,000. So we've done this quite purposefully. So we looked beforehand at over the caps um, mock draft or draft prospect or draft pick salaries it is so weird because it's like a massive table and it has yeah. different salaries for every single pick from one all the way through to mr irrelevant and it's not just the value of the pick you then subtract a specific number times the amount of picks you have <laughs> which is why we haven't done any 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 kind of like trades in our mock draft and we kept it really simple because the more Yes, you say you trade back from round two and you pick up a four and a five. Well, that's great, but it's actually going to cost you more in salary cap because you've picked more players. Yeah. And yeah, it's it, it's interesting though. So mock draft time. Um, we've done the mock draft, obviously offline, just to make it a little bit speedier. You know, we're we're already over the hour here, but. Um, <clears throat> 
I don't know how we want to work this. Kev, do you want to? I'll I'll read I'll read out who we've gone for, and obviously yeah. just feel free to jump in at any point and 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 give your opinion on any of the ones that I I talk about because obviously you're going to know more than I do here. Um, so first round pick six, um, no quarterbacks on the board in the terms of the the three that you would want. Uh, neighbors gone. So what we've gone for here is Rome Adunze from Washington. Uh, Giants need a stud receiver and they kind of get the one, maybe, maybe not the second best, but maybe like the, you know, I'm, I don't, I, Kev, don't, don't comment on this because this is spoiling your, your rankings from next week, but maybe 1A, 1B in my, <laughs> in my yeah. early opinion. Um, and we get one with here with Adunze. Um, a physical presence, outstanding catch radius and ball tracking. Transform he will transform the Giants' wide receiving options by giving Jones, yes Jones, <laughs> a player who loves to dominate in contested catch situations due to his size and strength. Agree with that? Yeah, big time. I mean, he's a six foot three, two hundred fifteen pound wide receiver. You know, he, all he did last year was you know um, catch what one thousand six hundred and forty yards and fifteen touchdowns. I mean, he's a really good kid as well. Like he's got the head and the shoulders, and he's met with the Giants this week. Um, he's one of those players that just, you know, he's a contested cash machine. Um, he is uh, a bona fide... Um, I heard someone the other day actually say, as soon as uh, he comes into the league, he's one of the top 15 wide receivers in the league. All wide receivers. Bloody hell. Yeah, so, I mean, like, he is legit. And, again... If, if in a draft that obviously has got neighbors and Harrison Jr., you get to feel for him a little bit. But mm. you know, in this case, we're getting him at number six, so you've got to be pleased with that. Exactly. So, round two, first pick of round two, Kev. Who did we go for? We went, and I was kind of hoping it would fall like this, but we went for. Um, I was tempted to pair him up with Michael Penix, <laughs> pair him up with Dunsey, but. We went quarterback. You know, with Drew Locke signed, uh, we went Bo Nix out of Oregon. Uh, with Drew Locke signed at earlier comments about Jones, you might be surprised to see Nix here. However, in the draft, you can't overlook certain players that are still available, and Nix is one of them. Nix will likely need a year to sit while he improves on his dropback footwork, overall concept processing, but is phenomenal. he's a phenomenal athlete with a great arm and ability to create outside the pocket. Uh, this likely means the end for Tommy DeVito now with that crowded, crowded quarterback room. And Jake Eason. And Jake Eason. I mean, <laughs> well, these are camp bodies. We did say that before, you know. Uh, will Tommy DeVito go back in the practice squad or will someone want to take a flyer on him? I'm not sure. But, you know, Bo Nix is six foot two, 218 pounds. Like, you know, he threw for nearly four and a half thousand yards last year with 45 touchdowns and only three interceptions. Um, I mean... He's just a bit of a baller. I mean, like, you know, it, do you know what, right? If someone said to me, if, if it happens on the night, we're there uh, watching the draft and we get to late in the draft and the Chiefs want to trade back or, or, or get out of that 30-second pick, I mean, I'd be ecstatic if we went into that pick and uh, picked up someone like Bonix. Yeah, so, you know, we've kind of gone the Joe Shane way there of get the, get the veteran presence and then also still draft. Um, it's it, it is it is still an area of need for the future. Um, 
Drew Locke is obviously a, a good player, could potentially go into a great player, but you we really need to hit on someone in the draft this year. And if it's a prospect that sits, you know, Patrick Mahomes sat for a, most of a year, didn't he? So, yeah. A sitting yeah. quarterback is not a bad thing. It's not. Agree. If you believe in the prospect and it makes sense to do it, do it. And you're no, not reaching here as well. Sorry, you're not reaching here in the second round. And we've got two second round picks. So it feels like you're able to take that little bit more of a gamble on these. Yep. And with our second second round pick, uh, we took Darius Robinson Edge from Missouri. Uh, there is a high percentage chance that after the combine, Robinson shoots up boards when analysts release their updated big boards. Um, however, with Ojolari's injury concerns being a real factor for the Giants, we could do with another edge rusher who could contribute in rotation, even with Huff signing. Robertson is unpredictable at the point of attack uh, in pass rushing sets, giving defenders nightmares, whereas in the running game, he has a knack of being able to shed blockers and stuff plays. Um, is it unlikely that we would get Robinson here in a, in a, in a real world situation in say a month's time? So, no, yes. Um, he had such a good senior bowl. I mean, he lined up across the whole line. That's one of the things like I loved about him here. You know, he can line up as a, a three-technique D-tackle. He can line up as a 3-4 um, D-end. Um, uh, and he can line up as a uh, D-end in a 4-3 scheme or even as an outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme. Like, you know, he's got so, so much versatility. He's 6'5", 285 pounds. So he's a little heavy for an outside player, but he's got such versatility that you can play him across the all four, or he can come into a really good rotation. I mean, he absolutely bossed everyone at the Senior Bowl, and that got everyone talking, and all the analysts have gone back to watch watch his tape at Missouri, and um, he's starting to get a lot of late first-round buds now. But, uh, you know, go stay true to this kind of draft as well. You know, you know, if the players, certain players will fall. Yep. Yeah, I, and we, we, we literally just... We picked what was in front of us, didn't we? Yeah. You know, we 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 took our time as well. It wasn't a rushed draft. Like we really did have a look and see what was available. And it it was just a no brainer, really, with Robinson being there. Um, third round pick, Kev. You can have a big smile on your face announcing this one. Well, the third round pick. Um, we went for Blake Fisher, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. I mean, the the former Golden Domers physical traits. He projects him to, to be a, a solid tackle in the league. However, it will be his work in, pro, uh, in progress that will benefit from sitting behind Thomas and Luminor. He has a good hand placement, bursts off the line with power. It just needs refining to become a starter. He's one of those players that when it came to, like, should they stay or should they go, a lot of people thought, you know, he should stay for another year at Notre Dame because he would have moved from right tackle to left tackle. Um, uh, now Joe Alt's left. And the funny thing about these two, when they came in the same year and... Joe Alt was uh, a tight end transferring to tackle, so that he was going to sit for a couple of years. And Blake Fisher was deemed to be the left tackle. But Joe Alt was turned up and was so good that, that they made Fisher move to right tackle and play Joe Alt at left tackle. So I think if he'd stayed, he would have gone to Notre Dame. Uh, he would have stayed at Notre Dame and gone to left tackle. And you, he, I think he would have been the end of the first-round tackle coming out next year. So to get someone with that potential in the third round now that we can develop. Um, I just hope Priscilla was able to develop him better than the previous offensive line coach. Um, I see him as 100% a future starter uh, at right tackle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it position of need, isn't it? Abs with with tackle, um, we 
as we just said, you know, Thomas and Illuminal, we don't know what's going to happen with Evan Neal. Not a lot of depth behind him. So to have a rookie in that depth rotation, he could end up playing. You never know with injuries. He could end up playing. Um, definitely, definitely the right pick at the right time there. And I will say as well, he has got guard versatility. He has got the, the bright body type to, be able to slide into to right guard and be able to play there as well. And the versatility is exactly what Joe Shane wants, isn't it? You know, that's something that the Giants really do love. Um, fourth round pick, Marshawn Lloyd, running back, USC. Uh, if there was one thing that the Giants learnt last season when Saquon was out, it was that, that they lacked a dynamic runner that could flip the field. Lloyd kind of fixes those issues with his combination of quick feet and power. Uh, when you then add in his solid blitz pickups and capabilities as a receiver, he could be the foil to Barkley that we've been looking for. Um, he's a big boy. He's like a boulder, isn't he? He is, and he's like, what, two hundred, nearly 220 pounds, right? That's big. That's a big boy. But when he's only five foot nine, <laughs> I mean, that, that is like, you know, some serious, and he's got some shift as well. Like, so I'm so interested to see what his 40 is going to be, because that will be interesting. I mean, last season he had nearly 900 yards um, and nine touchdowns, and he just shows some really, really good shiftiness and stuff. And I think, like, to get a, a back like this, and you said it before, there's. I think it's, I, I agree with you. I think going forward, there's going to be running back by committees more and more, and you're going to see less of the super superstar. Um, it's quite a weak running back um, draft anyway, but to be able to pick up someone with Lloyd's current ability and potential at this spot, um, I think it's just a perfect pick at, the, at this time. And then number five, fifth rounder. So fifth rounder, we've gone for uh, Josh Newton, cornerback at a TCU. You know, Newton uh, might not have the elite physical traits you look for in a cornerback, but the technical side of his game will make up for any shortfalls. The former wideout possesses good ball skills, short area quickness, and reactions to receiver movements. He does show a weakness in man coverage, which would have been an issue under Wink, but Bowen prefers a more zonal approach and will complement Newton's play. And he... um. He's one of those players that, you know, I thought he'd be a little bit higher um, than what people are, are, are going after him. But, um, you know, I kind of have him as a third rounder. I actually think, like, you know, he's actually, you know, good enough to go sort of like mid to late third rounder again. So to get him at round number five, uh, he's five foot 11, 190 pounds. Um, he only gave up what, four penalties all last year. Um, catch rate against them is 48.1. Uh, yeah, I just think. Um, what was his forty-yard uh, dash? Was uh, oh yeah, I've got that today as well. Like his forty-yard dash is four point five one, which is spot on. Like you know, anything over four point six, you get worried about. But you know, for coming in at four four point five one is perfect. Steve said two QBs. That's bold. I think that what has happened there is that Steve might have got your accent kind of uh, mixed up. He said he said CB CB not CB. QB. Unless unless Steve unless Steve's watching on time delay and he's only just got to uh, the Bo Nix pick, so yeah, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll we'll see what's happened there, Wilkins. Um, but um, but again, that's building for the future with the cornerbacks. <laughs> there you go. We're second playing second fiddle to the Albion. That's oh my why. god, I, I, you know, un, unacceptable, Steve. <laughs> um, just talking about um, Newton while 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 we're uh, kind of on that pick still. Um, one big thing that everyone seems to be saying on X about this cornerback range is uh, what's their wingspan? Wingspan seems to be the the more important thing than height and weight and forty time. Um, how how did he measure? How did he measure Kev at the wingspan? Have you got that there? 
got his arm length coming in. Oh, I love a spreadsheet. At 31 and 1 eighths. And that means what? <laughs> so basically, yeah, so basically anything over 30 is exactly what you kind of want. Anything like 32, 33 is considered excellent. Um, so it comes in right, right around, you know, exactly where you want it to be. There we go. And there's something for everybody who can learn that with me that um, arm length is a big thing when it comes to cornerbacks. <laughs> and it makes sense. It does make sense when you think about it properly. It's just not something that you would think of without being prompted. Yeah, exactly. And also, like for offensive linemen, tackles, especially arm length, is massive. Height, 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 yes, okay, you know, six foot seven, six foot five, you're not too worried about that. But when it comes to like 32, 33, 34 arm length, then you start to uh, to, to look at because um, Justin Pugh was always said he'll have to be a guard because his arm length arm length is just too short for the long lankier edge rushers to, to try and hold them off like. And then finally, our sixth round pick, uh, we went for Jalen Ford, linebacker out of Texas. Um, selection of Ford here is predominantly one of depth, uh, with the linebacker position being adequate but not great. Um, and although he does display a weakness in his coverage game, we took him over another linebacker that we had the opportunity of in the sixth round because he's more of a physical tackler who is more around the run defense, pass rushing situations. Um, and apparently very, very good mental player who deciphers, plays quickly and is able to react. Yeah, I like this player a lot. He's fast, he's reactive, 240 pounds, six foot two. It's a good size for, for an off-ball linebacker. Uh, yeah, 22 pressures last year with two sacks, uh, 48 uh, run stops, which is, like, phenomenal. I mean, um, yeah, two interceptions as well. Um, yeah, just, just a really good sort of athletic kind of freak that, you know, you want to, a linebacker coach want to get his hands on and be able to de develop. So there we have it. That That is it. Um, before we kind of look at the rosters let's just kind of give you like an overall thought process um the giants need 7.8 million to sign their rookie class uh so that leaves a grand total of 7.5 million left in the cap space bank for any late camp additions or undrafted rookie free agents um we might have spent slightly more than maybe the Giants are going to go for, but hell, it's our uh, scenario. We do what we want. Exactly. Bear, in mind as, bear in mind as well, we haven't restructured a Karake who could free up $5 million. Uh, with the addition of Lloyd and Robinson in the draft, we could probably cut Brightwell and Basham and save another $2.5 million. So that then takes it up to $10 million, which is a much healthier slate. There's restructures that can be done. Joe Shane doesn't like void years, but he could always go for a void year if he really needs to. So, you know, I think we've done a pretty damn good job considering this is the first time we've ever tried this. Um, and it's taken a lot of work to get what we've got. Um, I do think it all went, Kev. Yeah, loved like, it. Now that, loved now that it. it's done. Yeah, no, it's done. I absolutely loved it. I think, like, I thought, I thought we were sensible in places, a little over optimistic in other places. Um, I'm very much looking forward to doing it next season with the four of us because obviously it wasn't a bit of a last minute thing and it was like something that me and you th um, throw together. Um, but it's nice to look at like, you know, what free agents are out there, um, what type of money we've got to play with, um, do you know what I mean? Like who can come in, who fits where. Um, and, and it shows how 
big free agency is, like how you go in free agency can kind of dictate the draft a little bit, especially in the early rounds. Um, mm. But I, I, yeah, I've enjoyed it immensely, to be honest. And I think, yeah, you know, maybe we did fix the Giants. I mean, Steve has said, can't argue with the first two picks. Anything after that is a guessing game for him. Hardly an expert with prospects. Steve, that's why we have Kev and Shane. Um, and obviously, we've done this quite early into our prospects uh, lists. Um, so the further we go, the more we will get into that. And obviously, there, there are plans between now and the draft, once the prospects are out of the way for Kev and Shane to give their thoughts on more like day two, day three prospects that we don't always get to touch on when we do the top fives. Um, so obviously stick with us and 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 we'll have plenty of content coming out. Um, so before we wrap things up, Kev, let's um, have a look at the rosters that we have assembled here. So we'll start with offensive one. Uh, where we have the wide receivers, running back, tight end and quarterback. Um, quite a busy little table, that one. Um, Slayton, Wandale, Adunze sounds tasty. Oh, it does. does. It? And then you've got like players like Hyatt and Hudgens and uh, Equinus and Brent. And don't forget Bryce Ford-Wheaton from last season, who was so unlucky with that injury. You never really got to see what he could do. And if you're interested, he comes back. Um, Waller, Bellinger, Sample, really solid um three tight ends and uh i mean yeah i mean there's a lot of promise there. i mean like if jones kicks on fantastic but you've got nicks there to kind of develop and lock to come in for the odd uh for the odd game here and there with injuries and stuff like that and and the running back room now uh with barkley staying gray having another year um in in, in the system and you got the you know the draft pick lloyd there as well i mean you got a bit of juice with corbin who kind of flashed a wee bit um but um, I just think having a Dunsey as a number one, an act- actual proper number one, um, takes away from Slayton. I mean, Slayton get over the top, High can get over the top, and you've got Wandell who really showed promise at the end of the last season. You know, get him in space with a ball in his hands, you know, and then he can make people miss and get yards. So then if we look at our offensive line, which is always going to be an area of contention, um, relatively good. Depth there now. Uh, Luminor over Neil Fisher, obviously, is the backup to that. Um, Azudu back out as the left tackle uh, backup, which is kind of where you probably want him as opposed to pushing him all over the offensive line, really get him to, starting to develop behind Thomas. Um, and then if you really think about it, there's three positions out of five on the starting lineup there that we've, we've, we've signed. Yeah, I know. It's like... It's, it... Like it's so it's got real potential. I mean, like Van Rotten, you're gonna get solid play. Jackson, you're gonna get above solid play. I hope Schmitz takes uh takes that next step. Thomas is Thomas, you know what you're getting. I'm mean, really interested. I mean, that right tackle battle between Luminar and Neil will be phenomenal. And mm-hmm. and, and and you know, if the Luminar does win that, you know, you could see uh, Evan Neal being kicked into guard. And if Evan Neal produces at the guard spot, suddenly you've got an offensive line that you know could do some damage. Exactly, exactly. And then we move to the defensive front, excluding the backfield. I mean, Huff, Lawrence, Nunez, Roches, Thibodeau, Karake, McFadden. I'm pretty over the moon with that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, it's good front six. Uh, like McFadden kicked on massively last year, as we talked about in previous podcasts. You know, Karake is legit. and a legit top the middle linebacker. Um, I mean... Don't be surprised that maybe like post draft and stuff, you know, you, do we look at someone like um, 
Ashawn Robinson to come back on, on a bit of a deal. He had a really good time with the Giants last year. You know, he was productive. Uh, Nunes Roches showed really good play when he played. Um, yeah, and then you got the Hoff and Thibodeau. I mean, could they be the best uh, edge tandem in the league? Yeah, I mean, Steve's just said that front front six looks filthy. <laughs> it really does. It really does. I mean, just one thing just to point out um, that I've noticed, you probably swap Riley for Horn there. I think Riley could probably quite easily be a D-tackle back up there. In fact, it would not surprise me if Riley ends up in a rotation with Nunes Rochez next season if we don't end up signing anyone else in that defensive tackle position. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely agree with that, yeah. And then lastly, uh, if we have a look at safeties, cornerbacks and special teams, um, not really anything massively rocking the apple cart. I mean, Derby is the uh, QB, uh, CB, sorry, you've got me doing it now, Steve. Um, (laughs) CB2, uh, Derby is the CB2. Um, Flop Murphy Bunting would be a hell of a slot cornerback battle in camp, wouldn't it? Really would. And I can see Monty Burfing winning that as well. And then you've got someone, a 26-year-old, experienced Monty Burfing in the slot. You've got the savvy veteran as your number two um, outside um, cornerback. And you've got the promising first-round pick from last year, Banks developing into a number one lockdown corner. I mean, that DB room. I mean, Pinnock, was, Pinnock is above average player. You know, he's not, nothing exciting. Um, McKinney, I think, can thrive the way Bayer did under Bowen's defensive scheme. So I think I think he'll want to come back as well. Like I said before, once he speaks to Bowen and knows what his plans are for him, I think he'll want to play in his defense. Exactly, and obviously bear in mind that this doesn't include any undrafted free agents or potential, you know, like camp bodies that we could pick up on the cheap, like those vet minimum deals that aren't going to count against the fifty-one, as Kev was saying, who potentially could just turn into something. So, yes, safe that safety four there potentially not very heavy on the on the the sort of developmental or the depth there but but I'm sure that would be addressed with something like an undrafted free agent class um and don't be surprised really if um Owens kicks on a little bit this season really really looking forward to seeing him was we were quite high on him last preseason um and I, I just feel like another season could you could start to see him starting to push through Anything you want to add before we get rid of that, Kev? No, just, um, I mean, I think, um, like you said, Owens, massively agree with that. Belton flashed as well last year. So, honestly, Belton, mm. um, under this new scheme, um, you might find some players that either drop off a little bit in this new scheme or you might find players that will thrive and really produce and really, like, come to the fore. Um, I mean, I'm just so happy the special teams, like, the, those four special teams, I mean, just getting that solid thing back. It's just something not to, the new special teams coach doesn't have to worry now. You know, he's got those four pillars of the special teams and we can crack on with them. Um, I think there's enough competition there in that DB room as well. Um, now that uh, we've made those signings and draft picks. Well, there we have it. That is all of it. That is Craig and Craig and Kev fix the giants. Um, let us know what you thought about it. Um, it was a difficult kind of project for us both, but we really enjoyed it. It would be nice to know what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want more of. Um, if anybody's interested in the nitty gritties of the contract for the multi-year players, yeah. let us know on X, throw us a DM, whatever. We'll, we'll quite happily share that with you. Um, 
maybe next year we can do a i don't know seven eight hour podcast where we try and do it in live time because it bloody would take that long uh, maybe next year we, we'll 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 go into a bit more of the comparisons that we made between a lot of the players you know we haven't spoken about some of the people that we looked at you know Stephen Nelson I fell in love with him at yeah. cornerback but he he was expensive for his age um there were probably others you know we we could have looked into the running back market maybe more than we did um but you know it's it's our scenario and it's just how we kind of foresee it potentially playing out. And maybe we'll revisit in a few weeks' time once free agency is over and we'll see if we how many hits we potentially potentially got there. Um, however, unfortunately, that is all the time we have this week. Uh, we will be back next Thursday for our draft prospect rundown return where we have running backs, wide receivers and the all-important quarterbacks coming up to see who maybe makes four and five that's going to be the more interesting look I think with the quarterbacks um, and we could even have an additional analyst to help Kev and Shane break them down we will confirm that closer to the time <laughs> anything to add before we go Kev no just that I really, really enjoyed this episode I love prepping for it um, like I said it was the giant uh, he's a giant podcast sort of uh, uh, went ahead and did it before I could actually suggest it to the boys something I've been thinking about for a while but I think it's a worthwhile experience to kind of see what we can and can't do and the limitations um, and I think going forward next year when we do it next year I think um, it'll be good to do maybe in a three-parter you mean a, mm. do it a bit shorter going a little bit in depth about who we keep why we keep them why we let people walk uh, free agency mm. who we look at who's more of a fit for the defense that we're running the offense we're running and then going to the draft and doing a swim. Um, it's been a really, really fun exercise. I've loved messaging you back and forward and, and getting and getting it together. Uh, it's mm. good that we've been in the same wavelength. I've been at loggerhead saying, no, I don't want him. I want him. It has to have him. Like, so, um, just a really worth worthwhile exercise, I think. And uh, well, thank you for doing it on a Friday night with me. Yeah, and thank you to everyone who has commented um, and watched along. Even if you haven't commented, you know, it means a lot to us that you're willing to take you know, an hour and a half out of your Friday night, premium night, we know that. Um, and obviously it's our second pod of the week, so we really, really do appreciate that. Um, and that's it. End of this. Nice little exercise. Back to the draft prospects next week. My thanks, as ever, goes to Kev for joining me, to you, the listeners, and to the viewers for getting involved. Don't forget, subscribe and like. Make sure that we get our name out there. We'll see you next time. Let's go Giants.